just keep waiting on the Lord. And while we're waiting on the Lord, we've got time in His presence tonight. And while we're waiting on the Lord, if you have a heart condition and you need healing, I want you to come to the front of the platform. Just keep waiting on the Lord. We're not moving on. We're still keeping in the flow. But if you have a heart condition, anything to do with the heart, I want you to leave your seats. Come down here to the front. If you're in the balcony, don't wait. Come down. It's important that you make the journey from upstairs to downstairs. We want to pray for you. God is doing a deep work. I wants to begin to do a deep work in our hearts. And he's not just concerned about our spiritual hearts. He's also concerned about our physical hearts. So if you have a heart condition, heart problems, come here to the front. We're going to pray for you in a few moments. when you come to the front I just want you to lift your hands open to the Lord and begin to receive a measure of healing just begin to receive a measure of healing going to sing that that song uh, you are my healer we're going to sing that song you are my healer and you might say well I don't need physical healing well thank God you don't but you need spiritual healing you need healing of the heart God wants to make us whole physically emotionally mentally God wants to make us whole. He's going to make us whole. He wants to do a deep work so that he can use us in a deep way. The deeper the work, the deeper that he can use us. And so those that are here at the front of the heart conditions, we're going to pray for you in a few moments. Christian and Gabriel are going to lay hands on you as we begin to sing this. You're going to receive your healing. But all of us, right where we are, if we're sitting, that's fine. Standing, whatever you're comfortable, you're going to sing, I believe that you're my healer. What is it in your life that needs healing? Do you need to be healed from anxiety? Do you need to be healed from things that have happened in the past? Do you need to be healed? Do, do you have a false view of God that needs to be healed? Whatever it is that is holding you back from God's destiny. There's something in there that's holding you back. You, you, God knows what it is. You know what it is. And you need healing, inner healing. And so if you want physical healing, take it too, right where you are. Take it for everything. Jesus said, will you be made whole? And he meant body, soul, and spirit. God wants us whole. Are you ready to be healed? Are you ready to be healed? Are you ready to be healed? <laughs> Jesus said that to the blind, to, to, the, to the man who was lame by the pool. He said, do you want to be healed? He said, I've been here 40 years. What do you think? And Jesus said, that's why you've been here 40 years. You need to know your need of healing. You need to bring the stuff out and say, Lord, I need a touch of your healing in this area. 
and he will touch you and make you whole. May the healing power of Jesus of Nazareth flow through this place, Father, in power, healing hearts, healing bodies, healing minds, healing emotions. We release the gifts of healing in the name of Jesus. Let's worship him as healer. Please take your seats. We're going to come back to ministry later on this evening. Thank you. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And the title of my sermon this evening is this. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. I'll let you get there before I read the passage properly this evening. I'm going to be speaking about this because you may not have been with us a few weeks ago. Last Sunday evening we had a carnival, a great time of carnival outreach. And the Sunday evening before that, I spoke on the subject of five, your, developing your five spiritual senses. Was anybody there for that? Great. Five spiritual senses. I don't want you to forget that. Because just as we, just while you're finding your, your page, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Because just as you have physical senses, and those physical senses allow you to gain information about the physical world, so also you have spiritual senses that allow you to, be, to gain spiritual information from the spiritual world, if I can put it that way. Of course, there's no spiritual world and physical world. There's only one universe that is both physical and spiritual. But we understand what we're talking about when we're talking about being related to the physical and the spiritual world and the difference between them. And I said that we have five senses, the physical senses. We have sight, we have hearing, we have smell, we have taste, and we have touch. And I said to you, I said, imagine, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it, if one of these senses aren't working. If you lose your sight, it's very difficult. If you lose your hearing, it's very difficult. I said I had a friend who, who doesn't have much of a, of a smell, something you don't often think about. What it, what, sorry, taste, he doesn't have much taste. Some of the things you don't think about, what, was it, what would it be like if you lost your taste? And he doesn't have a very strong taste, and so he has to put loads and loads of chili sauce on something just to get any type of taste. And uh, it's amazing as we look at the Paralympics and we see people that have lost some of those senses, and still achieving great things, amazing things, wonderful things. In fact, in many ways, the Paralympics is almost more challenging and incredible than the Olympics, isn't it, in many ways? I, I didn't expect that. I don't know why. I didn't think about it. But can you imagine if you lost all your senses? You would be in prison if you couldn't see, if you couldn't hear, if you couldn't taste, if you couldn't touch, and if you couldn't smell. Well, you also have spiritual senses. I spoke about that, and it's up on the internet if you want to watch it another time. Uh, and Jesus said, hearing you do not hear. Odd thing to say. What he meant was, you hear with your physical ear, but you're not listening with your spiritual ear. And seeing you do not see. In other words, 
you're seeing with your physical eye, but you're not seeing as God sees it. You're not discerning the Lord. When the woman with the issue of blood pressed in and she touched Jesus, many people were touching Jesus physically, weren't they, in that crowd? But only one touched him with the touch of faith. He said, who touched me? And the disciples said, what are you on about? Everybody's touching you. So Jesus was speaking about a different touch. He was speaking about a spiritual touch. In these times as God brings a wave, and it's there in, in, in the first word of the Revival Times, Colin has written about the new move that's coming to us. We need to reach out and touch God and touch the wave. Sometimes that will be physical, but spiritual touching. Also, um, even, even, even the aroma. Do you know that we are an aroma to those that are being saved? That when we're walking with the Lord, those that the Holy Spirit is working on when they come to us, they're attracted to us spiritually. Have you ever been in that place where someone's ripe for salvation? And they just like to be around you. And it's not you, it's the fragrance of Jesus. When we worship, when we praise, we are a fragrance to God. And taste. Taste, I talked about taste. Taste and see that the Lord is, God, uh, the Lord is good. Man does not live by bread alone. We, we taste the good things of the kingdom of God. That's what Hebrews chapter 6 says. You have tasted of the good things of the Lord. So we have these, these spiritual things. And I want to move on from that a little bit. It's all right if you weren't there. You'll still understand. But that's the background to what I want to talk about today, which is strong meat, I believe. Chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people. Well, the word people isn't there, so we put that in. I'll just, the Greek doesn't have it. And I like it better where it just says spiritual. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food. For until now, you are not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able for you are carnal, for where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For where one says, I am of Paul, another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God Gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything. Take that to some of the superstars of the charismatic Christian circus. So neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters is anything, but God who gives the increase. Very powerful stuff, this. I don't mean to be confrontational tonight, but if... It comes out as confrontational. It's the spirit, I believe, that's confronting us. Now, isn't this amazing that Paul would say this? And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual. And even now, I could not speak to you as spiritual. Why? Because they already thought that they were spiritual. One of the biggest dangers in Christian discipleship is that you think you've arrived. Now, you'll never say that you think that you've arrived because 
Even saying it would sound embarrassing, wouldn't it? But in your heart, you think you've arrived spiritually. You think you're mature. You think you understand the things of the Spirit. You think you understand the Word of God. Now, the Corinthians were full of themselves. I mean, they thought they understood the Word. They, un they moved in spiritual gifts. They lacked not one spiritual gift. And they believed that they were spiritual. Can you imagine how offended they would be with all their miracles and spiritual gifts and their exercising of tongues and their Holy Ghost service? They believed they were spiritual. And Paul goes to them and says, you know what? I can't speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you're not able to receive it, and even now you are not able. I'm telling you, if they were, if the very fact that they weren't spiritual, how do you think they would feel about those words? They would be deeply offended. What if, and I'm not saying it because I don't know everyone, but what if I was to say to you, I can't speak to you tonight. I wanted to speak to you as spiritual, but I can't do it. I can't speak to you as a congregation as spiritual tonight. What if I said that? I'm not saying that. But I want you to think about it as if I did say that. You're not spiritual. I can't speak to you about the things of the spirit because you're carnal, fleshly, earthly. I couldn't speak to you about it before and I can't speak to you about it now. Because why? You won't receive it. What a terrible situation to be in where you think you're spiritual you think you're receiving things of the Spirit, but actually you're not receiving those things at all. You're in deception. You're carnal. And Paul has to dumb down his message for babies. Think about that. He says, I can't speak to you as mature. I can't speak to you as spiritual. I have to feed you like babies. Because you can't take what I'd really like to tell you. I can't give you solid food. <laughs> you know, if you, if you give a, a, a child solid food and it's not, not weaned, not ready, what will it do with that food? Hmm? Spit it out, won't it? Spit it. In. Can't, can't, can't digest it. Can't chew it. And so what Paul is saying to the Corinthians is this. I have got some meat for you. I have got some spiritual things that I want to share with you, but you're not open to it. The Bible says, be careful if you think you stand. Be careful. Galatians chapter um, 6 verse 2 or 3 says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. One of the biggest dangers in the Western world today in Christianity is that people think more highly of themselves than they ought. Than they're ought. You say, what are you talking about? People are always so defensive. People are all so easily offended. But they don't admit to being offended. Because if you admit to being offended, you know you've got a problem. So what do you do? You just turn it over to the other person and say it's their problem. And people say all the right things. But they can't take the things of the Spirit... Because the things of the Spirit require humility and an attitude of non-offense. 
I mean, look at Jesus. They could hardly take anything he said. I mean, he says, my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you can have no part of me. What did they do? They threw up on the word. They couldn't digest it. And they all left him. Think about this. And Jesus turned around to his disciples and said, are you going to leave me too? Think about that. Are you going to leave me too? They had, the crowds had left him because he was speaking spiritual things that they could not take. They couldn't take it. Why? Because they were thinking carnally. They were thinking earthly. Now, right through the Gospel of John, you see this problem of Jesus speaking at one level and people only hearing at the other level. I mean, you know, even Nicodemus, you must be born again. It was words of spirit. How does Nicodemus take it? Hey, I must be born again. How can I climb back into my mother's womb and get born again? Jesus was speaking spiritual. He was thinking physical. And so the problem was that Jesus was speaking spiritual words, but people were listening to them with ears of flesh. They weren't listening to him with ears of the spirit. They misunderstood Jesus. They thought that Jesus was a crazed maniac, many of them. Why? Because they were listening to him with the ears of the flesh. They were looking at him and knowing at him according to the flesh and not according to the spirit. I mean, when Paul goes on, he says, look, you're still carnal, strife, envy. Aren't you like mere men? And what was the problem? They were chasing after ministries. This is one manifestation. It can manifest in, I'm of Apollo. Oh, I'm of Paul. I'm of Peter. You see, they were looking at the human vessels. And that was all that they were discerning. And they were arguing and they were trying to get ahead and they were seeking position. And so they were deaf to the spiritual things that Paul wanted to speak. If we go back a few verses into chapter 2. Let's go to chapter 2 verse 12 to build on this. Chapter 2 12. Now. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. These things we speak, not in words that which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now listen to this. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So what I'm saying here is this, is that the carnal mind... Or the earthly mind will listen to sermons, will read the word of God at a level that's not spiritual. 
What do I mean by that? I mean this, is that it's when we read the word of God and we interpret it through what we want it to say. What is the flesh? The flesh is all about self-preservation, self-comfort. The flesh is all about me and my needs and what I want. The flesh is about how I feel about it, how I react to it, how I respond to it, what I think about the situation. The flesh is all about me. And the Corinthians could not hear the things that were spiritual because whenever they heard a sermon, it was all about them. It was all about how they wanted to hear it. Hearing, they did not hear. And seeing, they did not see. Because it was all about them. They are the center of the universe. And you say, well, tell me more. I will tell you more. You see... What was the message that Paul came in in chapter 2, verse 1, before all of this that we're speaking about? What, what did Paul determine to know amongst these Corinthians who thought they were spiritual, but are only hearing what they wanted to hear, reinforcing what they already thought about themselves? What, what message did he bring? Well, he brought the opposite message to carnal. He said, verse 2, for I determined to know, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words. You see what they were looking for? They were looking for God's man or woman of power for the hour. They were looking for someone who could persuade you. I mean, persuade you to do anything. That they were looking for someone who was bold and confident in themselves so that you could receive the confidence that that preacher has or she has in themselves. And you can feel, well, they're confident, so they must be right. In strength. They were looking for someone to come to them in strength. And they could enjoy the strength of that person. Someone coming with boldness and confidence. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, this is how... It turns the charismatic world upside down, came in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Now, his weakness and his fear and trembling were not the negative things. He came in weakness in the Lord, in reliance on the Lord. He came in the fear of the Lord, knowing that without God he was nothing. He came in trembling because of the responsibility that was given to him. And his speech and his preaching were not with persuasive words. If he'd been speaking tonight, maybe a third of you would have walked out already. Not persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and of power. That your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, or the show of men, or the ability of men, but in the power of God. But then he says, to the, to the wise, to the spiritual, which they weren't. But then he says, but let me tell you something. Verse 6, we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, okay? But they weren't ready for that wisdom because they were not crucified. So Paul came to babies, to those that he could not speak of the spiritual, and says, 
I'm come to preach you the cross, the opposite to the way that you're living. All you're concerned about, Corinthians, is your prosperity. All you're concerned about is your prayers being answered, your needs being being met, you being honored by other people, you being, being respected by other people, you being treated properly. You're just concerned about you and how you're treated. You're just concerned about you and what you need from God, and it's all about you. I come with the message of the cross. Crucify your flesh. And if you don't crucify your flesh, if you're not ready to be crucified, you can't even begin to hear the spiritual things of God. Because self will deafen you to the voice of the Spirit. Self will deafen at you. And if you say, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm full of self, you better find out. You better find out. Because let, you, let, let, let me tell you something. If you think you are something you're not, you are deceived. You say, you're bringing a strong message tonight. This message has been working through me in the last couple of months. I thank God that something's happening in the inside of me. That is of the cross and not of the flesh. And it's like my eyes are being opened and my ears are being, and I'm hearing things in the word I've never heard before, never seen before. Oh, I've seen them before, but I've not seen them. Oh, I've heard them before, but I've not heard them. You see, the word of God is a nice sponge that makes you feel good. Is that right? No, the word of God is a two edged sword. It cuts. If the word of God is not cutting into your life like a razor blade, you're in the flesh too much. If you're reading the word and hearing the word and you're not feeling the razor blade cut into the thoughts and intentions of your heart, you're in the flesh. When was the last time you were disturbed by what you read in the Bible? When was the last time you were concerned deeply by what you just read? I've been freaking out reading my Bible recently. I've been, oh my, I've been freaking out reading some of the stuff. And the Lord's led me to things I've seen and things I've heard. But I'm reading it now cut right into me. Ouch. Wow. This is heavy. The fear of the Lord is clean. And when the word of God penetrates like a two-edged sword, it's a clean incision of the Holy Spirit. It cuts through the flesh like an instrument will cut between bone and marrow. Oh, glory to God. But you see, if we think we're all right, if we're merrily going our little charismatic way, then the word is blunted. You and I can blunt the word of God. How come everybody was getting offended about what Jesus said, but we don't? And some of those that were getting offended were further on in the Lord than we are. How come we're not getting offended? How come in modern day Christianity, Jesus has become little meek and mild again? And the grace message has been perverted 
so that we've lost our fear and awe of God and we now have our little pocket Jesus who isn't going to judge anybody, let alone us, who's, who's just concerned about what we're going through and a little pocket Jesus, like some people have a pocket rabbit foot, the little pocket Jesus who never offends, never cuts down, who's always patting us on the back saying, it must be hard for you. Who seems to agree with everything that we agree with. Who gets offended when we get offended. Who gets in, uh, in, in, full of indignation when we're... In fact, it's amazing how like us Jesus really is. No wonder we never get offended. We have created a Christ in our own image. We have created a Christ in our own image. But that's not the Christ of the Gospels or the Christ of Paul, who shatters people's illusions, who speaks words that are hard to take. He says to his disciples, they've all gone. Are you going to go too? And Peter would have gone. They had nowhere to go to. He said, uh, your words are hard, Lord. Um, but uh, where would we go? In other words, if you know a place, could you tell us? And we'll go there, cause, but we've got no other option but to stay with you. Glory to God. I don't want a pocket Jesus. I want a Jesus, the real Jesus of Nazareth. I want him to speak into my life. I want him to engender in my life awe and holy fear as well as love and intimacy. I want him to astonish me. I want him to blow my mind. I want him to turn my life upside down every day. I, I, want, I want him to say words that are hard for me to understand. I want words that take a bit of chewing. I'm tired of the ice cream chocolate. I can't even have it. I'm a diabetic. I can't have it in the natural I can't, and I don't want it in the spiritual. The ice cream, chocolate, sugar, Jesus. I remember one girl, and, and, and I'm not saying that God can't do it, but I just thought, you know what, I don't want this anymore. One girl going, waxing on, on Facebook about how wonderful the Lord was because she went to a chocolate bar machine and she put a penny in and she got two chocolates out instead of one. My daddy God looks after me. Shame he didn't look after all the starving in different countries like he looks after you. Gave you two chocolate balls. Actually, one of those chocolate bars is stolen. But daddy God looks. I'm not saying. Look, I've had things happen to me in the last few days where I've like been amazed at God's interest in the tiny things in our lives. Please, I don't want you to think I've gone to the other extreme. I was quite shocked recently. last, I was telling my wife, I said, Nicola, this probably doesn't mean anything to you because it wouldn't mean anything to anybody, but it means a tremendous amount to me. And this is why I was looking at some really powerful stuff in the Word of God that was blowing my mind. And I got to the point where I was reading some of this stuff in the Word and I said, God, you know what? I can't, I can't take this. It's too big for me. It's too massive for me. I can't take this. I don't even agree with it, Lord. But I believe you. And I like it. I like that I'm reading stuff that goes against the grain. I like that I'm reading things about God. And I'm thinking, I wouldn't have written it this way. I don't even like what you've just said. I can't even understand it. I can't even... I like it. 
a God that I can't dissect on my theological table. A God that isn't just a chocolate vending machine. A God that's bigger than me. A God that says stuff I don't agree with. Most Christians, they can't take what God says, and so they change what God says. And so when you come to the doctrines, the terrifying doctrines of eternal perdition, they don't like it, so they change it. The incredible doctrines of God's sovereignty and providence. You know, one of the scriptures I've been meditating on, meditating on I, mean, I know it's personal, but I feel like I should. I've been, I've been meditating on that scripture. When uh, Moses said, show me your glory. Man, that's a hard one to chew. He says, show me your glory. And we've been singing that, show us your glory. Show me your glory. What a wonderful. There, in Exodus 34, 18, if you're interested, you know it well. I love it. God says, I'll be with you. And it's a beautiful, simple prayer. And Moses said, please. Show me your glory. Now, how would God reveal his glory to him? How would he reveal him? And what would he say? Well, it's the exact opposite to what I would have ever thought he would have said. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And what will he proclaim? This. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. God's glory defined in a passage that most Christians cannot stomach. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. In other words, God's saying, I will do as I please. And most Christians can't take that. You say, yes, they can. Read Romans 9. Read Romans 9. Read Romans 9, because it's there. I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. So many Christians can't stomach that. I find it hard to digest, but I don't care. I believe it. I know enough about God's goodness that when he, when he starts to go into the atmosphere, when it starts to get too high for my understanding, I just bow the knee and believe it anyway. Because I've found that some of the things that I didn't used to believe because it wasn't palatable to me are things that are the closest to my heart today. So just because the word of God comes and I don't like it, don't agree with it in my flesh, I've learned just to bow the knee anyway. I refuse to redefine the God of the Bible. I refuse to bring him down to my size. I believe I'm doing it too much anyway. I certainly don't want to do it consciously. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to come and do a deep work in my heart to take away the blindness of my eyes because I want the word to be able to speak to me as spiritual. I want to be able to take the thunder of God's voice. I want to be able to be cut with the 
cut of kindness. I want the word of God at its sharpest. I don't want to dull it with self. I don't want to dull it with human thinking and human reasoning. And I don't like it. And I don't agree with it. And if I was God, I'd do it in a different way. Oh, please, shut up. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I'll have a compassion on whom I'll have compassion. I will do what I want to do, says the Lord. Woo! What a release. I'll do what I want to whom what I want. Shut up and love me. Glory to God. He's terrifying. God is wonderfully terrified. When is the last time you've been terrified by the Lord? Well, I haven't been terrified. I'm too hardened of heart really to get that yet. I'm looking forward to being terrified. I'm looking forward to the terror of the Lord. Say, you are not case, Bruce. You've lost it. No, 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 no. I've got the grace. I'm ready for the meat. I've got the foundation that is Christ Jesus. I've got the grace. I understand. There's always more to learn, of course. You can never fathom grace. I've got a basic understanding of God's grace and unconditional love of my life. I know I'm going to heaven. Nothing's ever going to change that. I can't change that. I am saved forever. I'm justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned. It's just as if I'm not sinning. And it's just as if I'll never sin again. God has imputed to me righteousness. What does the word impute mean? Can some of you remember? It's what God thinks about you. And if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross and rose again, you are justified and God has declared you righteous. The word justified and righteous, it's the same word in the Greek. Whenever you read righteous, you could translate it justified. Whenever you read justification, you can translate it righteousness. It's dikaio in the Greek. It's the same word. And if you believe, you are declared righteous. Yeah, well, I don't feel righteous. Well, God's opinion matters. I got, I got the grace thing. Now I'm ready to grow. You see, if you haven't got the ABC's right of how you get saved, you're not going to look forward to the terror of the Lord. You're not going to look, look forward to a good old healthy fear of the Lord. That's what I'm preaching. I'm finishing off the Sermon on the Mount in the next three weeks. And I'm going to be preaching on the fear of the Lord. The so Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' sermon about spirit-filled Christian living. And he ends it in chapter 7 with a great teaching on the fear of the Lord. But you see, if you don't know you're saved... Then the fear of, then, uh, when God shows you his, his glory, when God shows you his terror, when God shows you his greatness, you, you're going to collapse because you think you're going to go to hell. But once you know the Father loves you, now you can move on to the big doctrines, the scary doctrines, the wonderful. Uh, when is the awe of God going to come back into the church? You know, I, I look at my life and. I think, where is the awe of God in my life? Where is the fear of God in my life? I think I'm doing all right, but compared to what the scripture talks about, compared to what, where, where is this honor of God where, you know, I know he's my Abba, okay? I've had the milk. I know he's daddy, all right? My little boy used to call me daddy when he was three and four, but it's no, we're not doing goo-goo anymore. He's 15, not doing goo-goo. We're moving on together as father and son. He's growing up to be a man. I'm going to treat him as a man. 
going to show him things and teach him things and share with him things I'd never teach him when he's goo goo daddy goo goo more milky me want chalky two chalkies daddy right I'm not going to start telling him the big things of life some things you've got to be a man or a woman to hear haven't you so we've been there we got that I'm always going to be his daddy I'm always going to be his daddy and he can have chocolate if he wants it but let's move on there's a world to conquer for Jesus. There's some maturity, God. The Corinthians, I could not speak to you as spiritual, but as babes. Goo goo gaga. Poor not being nice, mummy. Poor nasty preacher. Poor make me feel bad. Bowie go to another church. Where preacher make me feel good. Tell me nice things about Bowie. Bowie not like Paul. Bowie want goo goo. Bowie want more prosperity. Bowie want presents from God. Bowie want nice feelings, Bowie. Bowie not like Paul. Do you know what I'm saying? Bring it on, Paul. Come on. Bring it on. Talk about the cross. Talk about the word. Try and offend me with the word of God. Come on, push me, Paul. Push me. See if there's anything. Try me and test me, Lord. See if there's anything in there. And let get your scalpel out and get cutting oh hallelujah I want the do you know what if I can be personal what I love about Colin I love many things about him but what I love about I love the fact that he tells it as it is well I don't love it but I do love it do you know what I'm saying because he tells it as it is from the platform can you imagine how he tells it in the back room Eh? If he tells it like that from a problem, what do you think it's like Monday morning tomorrow? And when someone tells you as it is, now I'm not talking about someone telling you it is. Because some people say, oh, I tell it as it is. No, you don't. You tell it as you see it. It's very different. I'm talking about when someone is discipling you, and for your own benefit, they tell you as it is. But if you can't take that, What's going to happen to you? You're going to get offended, aren't you? You're going to say, how dare you? You're, going to, you're, not even, you're not going to be able to receive. And this is the thing about discipleship. Is that in the end, it's a, it's a great privilege to disciple someone. But also, as a disciple, you've got to be prepared to be discipled. And discipleship is not just saying, affirming nice things about a person all the time. It is that. Of course it is. But it's also speaking a word of change into somebody's life. I have a joke with a friend of mine, an American preacher, had a, had a lovely way of, 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 of putting it. It was, um, what's the guy, Gabriel, from America? Uh, uh, Baton Rouge. Larry Stockstill. You know Larry? Remember Larry? Well, Larry was talking about how he's discipled people, and he said a phrase, and it's true, and I love it, though. It's good. He would call somebody in who needed discipling and needed to hear spiritual things. Not things that they'd like to hear, but things that they needed to hear for their good, but they didn't like to hear it. You know, when somebody doesn't like to hear something, the tendency is not to say it, isn't it? I'm not going to say that. Why? They won't like it. They won't receive it. They'll get offended. You don't want to say it, do you? And often we don't. Well, Larry... He has a phrase before he tells some, somebody the things that they need to know to grow. 
the spiritual things. So he'll bring them in and he'll say, permission to wound you. <laughs> permission to wound you. I joke with my friend, I said, if he ever says that to me, I'll say, no, no way. No, no permission granted to wound me. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the devil's working in, the, in our lives so that we won't allow anybody to, to do that. Do you have anybody in your life who has permission to wound you? I'm not saying everybody can go and wound you. And some people, they're not friends and they're wounding you. You have to have discernment, but don't throw the baby out with the back. Some people don't have a right to speak into your life. You know what I'm saying? But think of this. But where are the people that can come to you and you say, I give you permission to wound you. But when you say that, they're going to do it. And you're going to go, ouch. Permission to wound you. Paul was saying to the, uh, to the Corinthians, permission to wound you. And even if they weren't, he was telling, he was wounding. He says, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual. Why? Because you were too closed off. Do you know, I've found in ministry over the years, and I'm sure you found it too. It's not just, oh, I found it in ministry. I'm sure you've all found it in your experience. That there are people that you can't say what you really want to say to them. You'd love to, you know what needs to be said. You'd like to speak to them about certain issues. But you know you can't. You know you can't because you know they're not mature enough to receive it. You know that if you say it, they will misunderstand your motivation. Yes? They'll think, what's he trying to do? Trying to manipulate me, dominate me. You can't say it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? You, you, you know. And, it's, and you know that it, you wouldn't be saying it out of malice, but you know that where they are, in their life, you can't speak those words. You might try and speak around, but you can't. And you know, that's a, that's a shame. That's a shame. I mean, I give my cell leader, Colin, full right to speak into my life. I don't like it, but I need it. Hmm? And he does. Not all the time. He says many things are affirming. But you hear what I'm talking about, particularly tonight. I'm not talking about the affirmation and the encouragement and all that. We, have a, we, we, we need that, don't we? I give him full I don't like it, but I need it. I need it. And sometimes over the years, I've met people. And I've thought, you know what? I could speak a word into your life that's spiritual. I could speak a word into your life that's spiritual. But I'm not going to because you won't receive it. You've shut me down. Can no longer speak spiritually into your life because you won't receive it. You know what I'm talking. This is heavy stuff. Paul said to the Galate, uh, sorry, to the to, to the Corinthians. Thank you. He said, "I can't speak to you the things that you need to hear. Can't do it. Why? Because you 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 won't listen to me. You you you'll just ignore me. You'll get offended because when you speak to someone spiritual, if they receive it carnally." then they look at you in the flesh, in the carnality. So if he spoke spiritually words to the Corinthians, they would say, what's he up to? What's he trying to do? He's trying to dominate us, trying to subject us. They would look at his motivations 
and they would miscalculate all his motivations, wouldn't they? Because they're thinking fleshly. They're not thinking that this man is wanting to build them up, loves them, would sacrifice for them, wants the best for them. They're not thinking. But on the contrary, they're thinking, what manipulation is going on for Paul to speak these words? And they are hearing spiritual things with a carnal mind, and therefore they can't receive it. They had shut down the Spirit of the Lord. And the danger is, in churches today, not here, but I know churches that I've seen and, and, and over the years where the preacher does not speak to the congregation spiritually, thinks he is or she is, but does not because they couldn't take it. Because there's always a church down the road that you can go to to get your needs met. God wants to meet your needs. But sometimes what you need is not what you want. And so you can go to, you can go to, to, to churches, I'm not naming any, but you can go to churches where you will never hear anything spiritual. In other words, you'll never have the word cut through. You're in no danger of being offended. I mean, sometimes I've seen these churches and these preachers, and they seem to offend, but they don't offend. In other words, a preacher can come and be offensive, but I've noticed when a preacher is being offended, and you look at the congregation, they're laughing. Oh, he's so bold. He's so rude. He's, he's like, I'm going to offend you right now. I'm going to say, you're this, that, and the other, you ugly lot. And people go, ha, 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 he's so bold, he's so rude in the spirit. Why are you laughing? You're laughing because it's not real. It's fake boldness. It's, fa it's fake. And nobody's, you, you haven't gone out offended because it's not cut your flesh. Now, I'm not saying every sermon you go out offended. Please hear what I am saying and not what I am not saying. Please hear the spirituality behind this. Because when you go to the Word, when, when, when you're in your discipleship relationships, we have to make room. Never let it be said over your life or my life that we could not be spoken to as spiritual. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I'm going to, if you're here for the first time, or, or, or you're here tonight and you've not yet made your commitment to Jesus then this is the first step of hearing something spiritual. We all know what it is to hear the gospel preached and just it doesn't make any impact. But perhaps you've heard in what's been said tonight that there is a message that cuts through the natural into the supernatural. And this is the message that Paul only knew. And it's okay to be a baby, a newborn baby, to be born again. And the message that you need is the message that he brought these uh, Corinthians who weren't living as Christians he said I just knew Christ crucified and you know maybe all you need to know tonight is this that God loves you and he loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross and that Jesus carried your sin so that you wouldn't be punished it's a free gift salvation you can't earn it you just have to receive it by faith you just believe and in these few minutes if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, 
I pronounce you by the authority of God's word as saved forever tonight. So with every head bowed, if you're ready to confess Jesus as Lord, I'm going to pray a prayer for you. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in a moment because it's important to make a public commitment. It's if you confess Jesus died publicly for you. And when we make our public commitment, it shows we're serious. Receive forgiveness of sins tonight. If that's you here, you're ready to receive forgiveness of sins forever. You believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he is. That he died and rose again. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Lift your hand right where you are now. I'm going to pray for you and you will be saved. Yes, two hands downstairs. Upstairs. Just lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you. You're going to receive eternal life. Those of you that lifted your hands, you've heard with a new ear tonight. You haven't just heard a message. You've heard with your spirit. And I've spoken to you as spiritual and you have received salvation. Last time of asking, is there anybody here tonight? Anybody else? Lift up your hand. Say yes to Jesus. And be saved. Anyone else? And Father, we want to be those that are ready to hear, that are spiritual. We never want to be not known as spiritual. And Lord, we take stock of our own lives and we do not assume that we are spiritual. In fact, what we're going to do, Father, is assume that we're not. And therefore, open our hearts to this new move of God, which is going to be a deep work in the heart, so Colin says. If it's a deep work in the heart, then we're going to need to get, let the word of God be razor sharp and not bolt, blunt it with earthly minded thinking, but come to the word of God open. The word of God that shows, for, shows forth everything, reveals the intentions of the heart. Your shaping and molding your army do your work in us father we pray in jesus mighty name amen amen we're going to stand together we're going to go out with a couple of songs if you need to go feel free to go but the ministry team are going to be here at the front if you could come straight away we're going to sing two songs uh we're going to seal what God has done in our lives today. But if there's anything you need prayer for, laying on of hands, don't go. Come. We have a trained ministry team. We would love to pray for the things that are important to you. Let's all stand together. God bless you. See you next week. Let's stand. Be high and lifted up. Be high and lifted up.